Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, my co-host, Justin Baker, and we just witnessed an incredible game one uh, where there was 10 goals scored in the game. 10? Yeah, 10. 10 on the... Four. 10 on the... Yes, yes, yes. Nine on the goalies. That's that's what I'm I'm thinking of. Yes. Is is the goaltenders let up nine goals in that first game, which is is pretty incredible. Seeing as how both goalies played in the previous rounds, uh, particularly Mark Andre Fleury. And so yeah, uh, and I think if you if you see that many goals scored, you'd expect a lot of shots too. Right, there really weren't that many. Right, uh, I once again I will say it. If you listen to our show on a regular basis, you've heard me say it time and time again. Game one. You always take it and you throw it out. You put it in its own little box and it stays there. Granted, of course, does it have an impact on the series? Absolutely. Uh, I'm not saying that, but I, I am saying that I don't think you look at game one and you go, oh, shoot, we're going to have 10 goal games every every game of this series. No, I I think that, it, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that we have another game like this sometime in the series, but I think you'll see both teams buckle down a little bit more and... You know, I don't necessarily think that even Vegas is uh, necessarily the favorite after winning game one. Um, what was your initial takeaway from game one? The ice was terrible was my takeaway. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I expected maybe to see some fireworks, some goals going on because... Listen, Vegas going into the Stanley Cup Finals. By the way, their pregame show with the oh. Let's Get Ready to Rumble guy. It was sweet. It was sweet. It was sweet. <laughs> and uh, what, Chris Angel doing the little siren thing. Just so good. And Lil John next to him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Vegas has got the pregame show down. They do. I mean, they it's, do. it's good. But that aside, like I noticed the puck bouncing a lot and a, and a few of the goals too that get scored over turnovers caused because that puck is bouncing on such terrible ice. And I mean, hey, it's 100 degrees outside in Vegas. It was 100 degrees here in Michigan. And and then, the, of course, you know, all the people pile in. The, the ice is going to be terrible. And hopefully they, it gets a little bit better for game two. But um, just because I hate it when you have like – Little things like that that really aren't related to how the players play or the goalies save pucks that determine the outcome of a game, you know, necessarily. Sure. sure. That always bugs me. But, you know, that that was my but biggest thing. But they're both playing on the same surface. Sure, right? absolutely. So it's not like tilted one way or the other. Absolutely not. But, yeah. So that, that was my biggest takeaway. What about yours? Uh, my biggest takeaway was that it was, I mean, it's exactly what I wanted out of a first game. I, I like for I like game ones. When when I say you should put it in a box and throw it away, mm-hmm. I it doesn't mean I don't love game ones. I often think game ones are some of the best games of a series because both teams I I don't know are is it that both teams were more more loose than I think we we thought they would be, especially defensively. A lot of times in the finals, game one, you see teams just they're hanging back. You're just kind of feeling each other out. You get that stereotypical like, well, it's the first period. So both these teams feeling each other out. And it's like each team has eight shots on goal. And it's just kind of one of those periods. Yeah. Right. But this was both teams went for it right away. Yeah. I I kind of expected that too, to be quite honest. I mean, look, you had Ovechkin. He's probably just super pumped in the locker room, getting guys just motivated beyond belief. Because for most of the guys in Washington, it was their first ever Stanley Cup final and same thing for Vegas and their city you know of course it's the expansion year so of course the adrenaline's going to be pumping guys are excited and there's no doubt that lasted pretty much throughout the game yeah you know the other thing that I uh, that I noticed was that it was a couple a couple players that well particularly when I uh, when I see Thomas Nosek scoring a couple <laughs> goals it, it did make me giggle at the Red Wings who you know, gladly gave him up at the yeah. uh, at the expansion draft. Let's keep Luke Glendening. It, to it's give. just right, right. <laughs> it's just so funny that these guys who even the Red Wings didn't want him. Yeah. What could Nosek have done for them this season? I mean, I, I know he's he's not playing high up in Vegas's lineup. No, but, but I mean, if he's he's been reasonable for them in the playoffs. It, you know, you'd think maybe he could have been reasonable for Detroit over a guy like yeah, you're right, a guy like Glenn Denning, uh, as as well. Uh, who is the the other guy? That well, started, when uh, David Tom, Booth or Luke Witkowski, those guys. I mean, you would have been much right. better than those two right. wingers. 
Uh, and then when you know when I see Tom Wilson in the thick of things, former Plymouth <laughs> Whaler, played right right around the corner Our from, backyard, from yeah. where we're at. And uh, what did you think of Tom Wilson's hit on Jonathan Marsh? So that was, I mean, it was no question about it. Interference. Yeah. The ref that was close by, he was kind of he was almost parallel to to where that was at on the ice because he was looking he was looking ahead at mm-hmm. uh, at one team's goal and didn't really see it happen. I think that he looked after Marcheseau had gone down, but he didn't actually see what happened. Yeah, but it was. I mean, I gotta think there's a Ryan Reeves out there <laughs> who. Is quite expendable. I mean, I know he he actually did, did he score in this game? He got some points. He, he, he did, didn't score. Yeah, he didn't. Did, did he, he not? Sc- he scored. Yes, he did. Yeah, right, right. He scored his second goal of the year, not just of the playoffs, You're right. of the year. Uh, <laughs> and I, I always felt like, man, that's kind of the reason that he's there is to at least protect some guys. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of the enforcer who can play reasonably. And so when I when I see something like that, he I mean Marchessault's your guy. He's your star player. Yeah. And to run at him, that was a straight run at him. To not find an opportunity to go and clean his clock once. Eh. Well, listen. That's that, what I would have done. That game was a little chippy. It did get a little physical. I mean, you had guys like even Ovechkin and Oshie were, were sure. playing a little physical. And so no, physical's fine. Right. And and even taking your shots is okay. Right. But I mean, Marcheseau wasn't even looking because he didn't have the puck, so he's not expecting a guy to come wail on him. Right. So my, my takeaway from that is, yeah, I think when you, you move forward, these games two, three, four, or five, whatever, it's gonna the physicality is going to continue, and I do think at some point, game two or three, Ryan Reeves is going to get his, get his shot at Tom Wilson, and they're, they're probably going to tee off at some point, which I have no doubt. Now, there always is the, the chance that, Gerard Gallant is saying, let's just win. Sure. Just don't worry about it. We'll just win. Sure. And I, I ex- absolutely think that's a possibility because, uh, you know, Washington's style of play wants you to play physical against them because they're better at it than you if you're Vegas. And so if they can get Vegas to get off their game a little bit and start playing Washington's brand of hockey, Washington has a better shot at winning. Isn't this, though, what everybody was saying when they were playing the Jets? That Well, the Jets are the absolutely. physical team. And so if they can just get them suckered into their physical game, it'll be fine. And the the Knights, it didn't matter to them. No, they didn't even... It didn't affect them no. at all. And it's not that they didn't participate in the hitting. Right. It's just they don't... No, they didn't get sucked into Winnipeg's game of trying to play physical against them. Yeah, they, they did throw up some hits like, like any other team would, but they didn't uh, divert from their style of hockey to try to play Actually, the Jets style. Actually, funny enough, the first goal that was scored on a power play by the Golden Knights mm-hmm. was a result of Burakovsky retaliating and getting a penalty. Oh, right. Colin Miller. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there it is. It's happening the other way. When I, when I saw that, I just, you know, you're like, dude, you're in the offensive zone. Cause he, he checked him for my, it was a boarding penalty. Yeah. Uh, you're in the offensive zone. He actually didn't even have the puck. It went past him to one of his teammates and then Burakovsky drove his man into the board and it was right. just you not only did you not have to do that but your team had possession of the puck yeah it's just it's dumb. stupid stuff like that that costs you but back to the Tom Wilson hit I, I think don't get me wrong I, I think it, it was definitely an interference it was definitely a blindside hit for the most part um, and you know, I, I was just looking at the news. He's he's not going to apparently get suspended. No discipline's coming right. for Wilson, which, you know, I, I mean, whatever. I, I haven't I, really read the league's assessment of it and why they don't want to, but... Well, I I don't think... He, you can't suspend him for that. I don't think so either. Right, I think and so... It's definitely a penalty, but... Yeah, but you don't, you don't go back and go, well, you know, we saw this trip on this guy, right. and uh, so now we're going to give him a retroactive... Two thousand, like three thousand dollar fine because of it, right? And like that, yeah. I mean, you're it. That's like hardcore Big Brother, right? <laughs> right no. There. And so, what's even more irritating is Big Brotherish. Um, none of the refs had their hands up after the Tom Wilson hit. 
And of course, then once the play stops, the whistle's blown, everybody starts screaming from Vegas's bench, and then the ref and linesmen get together and they make the call. Yes, I noticed that. To when- me, that's that's so dangerous because you go if you go forward in this series and you have an instance where like a guy gets tripped, now you open up that that box where it's like, oh well, now they can go back and discuss possibly calling a tripping call. There's certain it's- calls where a linesman can can make the call. Right, they can. Where they can tell the ref, oh, yeah, and, you know, I noticed this. And so, I mean, that was pretty bang, bang. Like, the whistle went relatively soon after that right. hit. I, I just, I don't understand. There's four guys on the ice. How do they not see that? Right, exactly. So you can't make a penalty call based off what you see on the jumbo, jumbotron or what the bench is screaming at you. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it was a penalty, but... They shouldn't have made a penalty call, which, and if I'm not mistaken, I did do think it did lead to a goal for Vegas. So, um, yes, yes, it yeah. Did. So and so, two bad penalties, yeah, lead to goals, and there's your game right there. Yep. I mean, minus the empty net, Washington wins that game. Yeah, if they don't take. They had the four three lead too, right? Which is even crazier to think, but, right? Um, yeah, and and when I saw the way that Washington, Washington was, I mean. Both teams were responding to each other. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I'll tell you what I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for game seven. Okay. Overtime. Well, I would love it. It would be, that would be great. I believe, if uh, if my memory serves me right, there's only been two game seven overtimes in the finals. Really? And I think they happened in the 50s, like three years apart from each other. Okay. And that's the only times it's ever happened. So, Well, don't get me wrong. After watching game one, these teams are, I mean, within a goal of each other this whole entire game. And it was just, it was bang, bang, real close the whole entire way. So I do think this is does have the potential for seven going to OT. But I, I still think Washington and six. I'm still going to stick by that. But I was yeah. right. Were you? 1950 okay. and 1954, it was Pete Babando for the wings. Yep. And Tony Leswick for the Red Wings. So the Red Wings are the team with the only Game 7 OT wins. Wow. All in right. the history of the league. So, I mean, we're, we're talking, what what's that, 60, uh, 64 years since the last time that happened? Uh, since the 50s? It was 54. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically like overtime in the Super Bowl, which we did just get. We did. So Thank you, Patriots. That's what I'm rooting for. Uh, so the next game, I guess I'm cheering for uh, Washington in the next game. All right. Got to tie up that series. As am I. Got to tie up that series. Well, okay. So as, uh, of course, the Stanley Cup finals are happening, and we love watching those. And and I'll, I'll be honest, the, the week off mm-hmm. was, or whatever, it was six days off. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a good recharge for me. I. I mean, for about two months, you feel, you're like watching hockey every single day. And I That's, love it. Yeah. I love it. But it's also nice to be able to not have the pressure of, okay, I need to, you know, I need to go home <laughs> or I need to like find a place to watch this game. And so just, just to give your mind a little break. But now that we're back on them, like that game was just a, an I think it makes spark. game one just more exciting because it's like, for instance, you'd love to do something, right? Say whether that's like uh, playing hockey or, you know, for me, like my other big hobby is playing drums, right? If you take time off from doing that, when you come back and do it, it's just that much better yes, the next yes. time around after break. So yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that, you know, we're, we're eventually going to have too long of a layoff. Right. So, which, you know, we are going to fill the gap for you. You know, we will, you can just come back. We're going to be going all <laughs> summer long, uh, bringing you lots of good content. We, I mean, there's the draft, there's free agency, and then uh, we'll, we'll be doing some other fun things throughout the summer too. So uh, you can, you know, of course, continue listening throughout the summer when everybody play else Jenga and play it live. Yes, and you yes. can listen to that. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> while we while we list off the hometowns of each left winger in the AHL. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, so as we've been doing with the uh, our previous three shows. Uh, we have been going through three teams at a time, and we have been uh, talking about each each team's draft and and their off season plans. And so uh, we've basically just been looking at the, you know we looked at one two three and then four five six in the draft, and now we are coming to uh, seven eight nine, which is the Vancouver Canucks, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the New York Rangers. And we're just going to take a look at what they have what they're going into the draft with, what changes they need to make, maybe where they're at as a franchise, 
and uh, we will give our best shot as to what we would do in the offseason. We'll give our, like, what would I do and, you know, what probably is going to happen. So uh, with that said, let's dive into the Vancouver Canucks uh, just to give you a small overview of what the Canucks are looking at. Uh, in the draft, they have all their own draft picks except for a fourth-round pick. They're drafting seventh overall in the first round. Uh, they, of course, have you know Louis Erickson for another four seasons at $6 million. Oh, so goodness. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, as far as their free agents, Juicy Jokinen, Nick Dowd, and Darren Archibald are all UFAs. Uh, they're going to have to re-sign Jake Vertanen, Marcus Granlin, Sven Berchi, Derek Pouliot, Troy Stetcher, and uh, that is the extent of their free agency. They have, oh, with uh, the announcement coming out, actually, we, we didn't have an announcement coming out, somewhere between 78 and $82 million will be the cap. Oh, wow. Uh, and go. they actually said that it is a huge reason why it's going to go up so much mm-hmm. is because of Vegas. Nice. And they, they said that it would probably would have happened with a 31st team anyways, but it went up higher than they expected. Good. Because of that. And they, they are in the top 10 of, uh, of revenue for ticket sales. Not surprised at they all. They are the top team for merchandise. They actually can't make enough merchandise. <laughs> they are, they've been, I, I, saw, I saw a thing where they have uh, these factories working 24 hours to make Vegas that's Golden crazy. Knights. Apparel. Not a bad problem to have. And no, it's like great. I, like I told you too, like uh, 44% of households in Vegas last night watched game one. Yes. It's crazy. That's, that's incredible. I love it. So great story. It makes me happy. Uh, so right now they have a projected cap hit of $52.8 million with what they have uh, signed so far. And that's to 17 players uh, on their on their normal roster. And they have, uh, it looks like about 27 26 to you know 30 million dollars in cap space so they have a buttload of cap space yeah thank and, you and, Sadines. right and really they don't have i mean none of the players that are that are rfas are going to get massive deals by any means you know nobody's signing uh deals worth more than you know maybe what no vertan like, might get Two to three million, yeah, most. and that, and and maybe maybe uh, Sven Berchi, yeah, gets same a, thing. gets a little a little bit of a, a boost. I mean, the guy cannot stay healthy. The no. last three seasons he's missed. He played sixty nine, sixty eight, and fifty three games. So, I mean, how big of a deal are you really going to give to a guy that can't play more than sixty games in the seventy games in the season? Right, two or two years, a couple million bucks, exactly, yeah, exactly. And I mean, Derek Pouliot, Troy Stetcher. They're not getting real big deals unless unless mm-hmm. they decide. All right, one of these guys is a is a guy we want to have around long term, and they give him a you know a, a five year, two and a half million a year or something like that. But nothing huge to have to resign. So Vancouver certainly wide open for you know free agency, which we you would think that a team that has actually been the worst team in the NHL the last three years combined. Wow. Unreal, and wow. they yet they still have. I don't think they have even a top five pick to speak of during that time. Or uh, uh, they do have one. I think they picked fifth once. Yeah, but I don't. They don't have a top three pick during that time. That's crazy. They're the worst team in the last three years. Unreal. Uh, well, what do the Canucks do here? Uh, l- let's start off. What should the Canucks do? Not not what what are they going to do? Uh, I mean, it's it. It looks like this team is in a rebuild now. They yeah. they have to be. So where does this team go? Because really, you've got Brock Besser, you've got a Bo Horvat. I guess uh, you know Eric Branson because they signed him for a few years. Uh, Chris Tanev, Alex Edler's a free agent at the end of the year. So is uh, uh, who else is it? Michael Delzato at the end of the year, and so mm-hmm. is uh, Anders Nilsson, their backup goaltender. So. Where does this team go? What do they? What do they do? Well, if if I'm the GM of Vancouver, um, I'm trading away anything I can to get some assets back. And when I say assets, some some first, second round picks, some some prospects, guys who I can, you know, infuse into my lineup in the next year, in the next couple years, to help Besser and Bo Horvat just gain experience and grow as players. Because those are your two guys you're building around right now. And with the Sedins gone, now you have to basically start a reboot here. 
Um, and next season, you know, like we like we talked about, Besser's going to need a new deal. He'll be a restricted free agent. He's going to get paid a ton of money from them. Um, so you don't want to go out and you you don't necessarily want to go out and just go spend a ton of money. You want to be smart about it and make sure that you have enough cap space for a guy who's probably going to get within uh, if he has another respectable year like he did this year. You're probably going to see six seven million dollars for a guy like that. Um, for, maybe, I'm sorry. Maybe, for, I'm sorry. Who'd you say? Brock Besser. For Be- oh, yeah. Besser. Yes. Yeah. Probably around six million dollars. Yep. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm getting rid of assets to try to get some prospects and draft picks back right now. That would be my plan, and hope to bottom out, and maybe, you know, you. You, you finish in the bottom three again. Remember, Elias Peterson is coming up. He he, That's true. he will make the Canucks next season. And he'll be very good. He will make the Canucks. So I I don't know if this team is a bottom out kind of team. Well, I don't. Hey. I just don't know. But now, if you can get something for Edler, and here's the thing about Edler, I found this out when I you know I'm, I'm I write for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. writer there, and I've been doing a series of like. You know, just going through teams and oh, who would this potential? How would a trade between the Panthers and this team work? So I did the Canucks. I said, well, you know, Alex Edler would be a good fit in Florida, and they could send back a lot of prospects in return, or some you know some middle level prospects. Yeah. I, I don't think I think Edler is on his way down, but could he have a little reboot if he's on a really good team? Sure, the right spot, a top four position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was reminded over and over again. Now your trade's stupid because Adler said he won't leave. He's not waiving his no trade. And I, you know, of course, some of the most of those people I just say, okay, Brush I'm, I'm just not going to. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'd, I'd say for the most part, people, the people that comment, I think a lot of them are interested in a, in a good conversation. I'm, I'm okay with getting into it, but I I really believe that if a guy is for a few months or for a year, you go, dude. We, we really need to move you, you come back. <laughs> yeah. You come back next time. And you can go to Florida. You can have a shot at being in the playoffs. I always thought it was suspicious when a player doesn't want to go anywhere, even though they're on a bad team. Yeah, I know I'm on a bad team, but I really like Vancouver. All right. But you only have – you only have – a certain amount of years in the league, especially a guy like Edler. I mean, there there was a time when Edler was a solid top pairing defenseman. Yeah, uh, he has dropped down into that top four. Uh, maybe on a Stanley Cup winning team, he's your nice addition on your bottom pairing. But I th- I okay. think he's definitely a guy who can step into the top four and and play good minutes. So. When I see a guy like that, I'm like, all right, you have, what, maybe two years left of relevancy, and you don't want to move for a little while to see if you can win? That makes me suspicious of a player's desire to truly win it. Is it they want to win? I I get, you know, some guys, they go to a team and they just want to win with that team. They just can't see themselves with another team. But it's like, personally, though, do you want to win the cup? You know, there's the personally win the cup, or do you? Does it have to be with the team you're on right now? It makes you wonder how much. Like for me, okay, I've I've moved maybe five times in the last six or seven years, and moving sucks. It's a pain in the butt. Granted, it's a lot easier when you have millions of dollars and you <laughs> right, can pay right. somebody to move it for you. Yes, I'm sure those teams are actually paying to move. Like, Absolutely, yeah. But you wonder like how much they actually because I've always been curious how much they take into account just moving like. I really don't want to go looking for a new place, get settled in a new community. When you have a family, too, like, you know, Daniel Alferson in his last year when he came to Detroit, he just left his family. It was like, you guys stay here, go to school, and I'm yeah. just going to go to Detroit. That's not a big deal. No. But when you have to uproot everything, I wonder how much players actually do take into account something like that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that they do. Uh, I just, I feel like you are in a very select group of people if you are not only in the NHL but you mm-hmm. are good in the NHL. Yeah. And so the chance to win a Stanley Cup to me that's I don't know that that's what you're supposed to be playing for. Uh, supposed to be. Now I know that yeah. there's definitely players in the league who could pro- honestly probably they go yeah it'd be nice to win but I don't really care. I'm I'm rich. Hey, let me ask you this. Maybe uh cuz Detroit has been known to they they've had their eye on Edler for like the last oh 5 gosh. 6 years. <laughs> what if they they finally make a play and ship Anthony Seo out to Vancouver for a guy like Edler? 
It would be a terrible idea. I absolutely agree, but I'm just saying <laughs> I wouldn't put it past Kenny Holland. Well, that's because he's he's like Ottawa with with Matt Duchesne. Like they've just wanted him for so long, they over they'll overpay. Yeah, so. that's always a bad. Yeah, if you fall in love with a player, it's a bad thing unless their name is Sidney or Connor, right? <laughs> and you're in trouble. Uh, okay, well. Yeah, as far as as far as I'm concerned, what what the Canucks need to do, they need to unload Edler. They need to beg him. At least at least say, I see I, I my guess is that he probably won't move until the trade deadline, but you go probably. look at in end of February we're going to deal you and there will always be a place for you here right, in Vancouver. You can come back. Right. This yeah. is no big deal. It's for a couple months at, you know, at worst it's for 4 months. If right. you make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, which, oh, nuts, you made the right. Stanley Cup Final. Woe is me. Uh, I also think they could get a good, solid amount for uh, Michael Delzato. Teams are always looking for puck-moving yeah. defensemen. So I, I would actually look to trade Delzato now uh, because I just yeah, at I think three mil at, at the draft, a lot of just, I mean, most teams will be interested in a guy like that who is a very serviceable number five defenseman. Yeah, exactly. And you know what is very interesting about the Canucks? You were saying that you would do your best to acquire assets, yeah. any draft picks, and, and just kind of fill the cupboards with guys. They actually, when you look at their 2018, 2019, and 2020, and you look at their draft picks, the only pick they don't have that's their own is the fourth-round pick. They don't have anyone else's pick either yeah that's crazy they have all their picks and no one else's which is very unusual when you look you know you look yeah. online and you're looking at different teams uh the picks that they have over the next few years usually you see different teams scattered in there but none for vancouver so uh yeah i i mean i, I like the direction in terms of some of the players on this team i i do think you could probably get something for sam gagne oh absolutely uh, but at the same time we you do know all right there has to be some players who play yeah <laughs> that should be you have to have players on your team so he's he's not a bad one to have around he but he seems to have a good years in his contract here and that's that's it so well shall we move on yeah we'll move on Absolutely. to uh oh i have to say though i do think um it would not shock me to see a guy like tyler bozak end up in vancouver uh yes i think that has been that's been floated a little bit uh, I know that he wants to come back to Toronto, but yeah, I don't think so. I think if anybody, JVR is the more likely person to come back. I see, but Bozak to me, what if you could get Bozak for a couple of years at two million, like two and a half? He'd be worth it. Well, yeah, two yeah, million. That, sure, that he'd be worth it. I mean, I yeah, I but I see the thing is about JVR is I don't think I don't think he's going to be in their price range. No, I think he's going to be six million plus. I I, I see him going to New York, the Rangers, the Islanders. Islanders, really. Uh, Does that keep Tavares go, in if New you York? Just go look, John. Not only are we going to sign you, we're going to sign James Van Riemsdyk, and he wow, we'll just play with you on the power play. That's it. You know what? It's, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of the Islanders, I just not to get off topic too much, but I was listening to an interview they had today on XM's Power Play um, show today, and they were interviewing Lou Lamorello, right? And the very last question they had for him, I, Mike Johnson asked him, he said, hey, you know, uh, you got a lot of guys on the island with uh, some long beards. You're going to get out the, the clippers there? And Lou just, just did not say a word. Just, uh, yep, just dead silent. And, and, and then, of course, his partner on the radio just chuckles. And the whole point was to try to get a, a, a laugh or a rise out of a sure, Lou. Sure. And nothing, just serious tone, just, yep, whatever. Like, yeah, why wouldn't you? I was just like, come on, Lou. Like, just lighten up a little bit. I, I want to hear you chuckle about that one because it's just funny. He doesn't laugh. He doesn't Apparently smile. Not. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to the Chicago Blackhawks. So Blackhawks are a much different team than Vancouver. Vancouver, actually, if you remember the beginning of Vancouver's season, they actually started out pretty decent. Yeah. They were sitting they in that bottom play, like wild card position for a while. It wasn't until the injury bug just dropped a nuclear bomb. They lost two thirds of their top line. Yeah. Just... Horvat was out for a while and uh, yeah, it was, it was rough, but uh, yeah, I think, I think Vancouver is due for a, for a bump. Chicago is going to do something huge. I get that sense that they seem to be looking to do something massive. Uh, now, right now they, in terms of draft picks, they have two first-round picks. They have their own in Nashville's. They have no second-round pick. They have 
their own third along with the Leafs third. Uh, and then they have Nashville's fourth, Columbus's fifth, and then their own sixth and seventh. So a wow. little smorgasbord of picks there. Uh, in terms of free agents, they have to re-sign RFA Vinny Hinostra, Hinostroza, yeah. Hinostroza. There you go. Thomas Yurko and Anthony Duclair, who uh, they acquired from the Arizona Coyotes. And then UFA Michael Roosevelt is on off the uh, off the books there. I don't think he'll be back. No, and anywhere. <laughs> yes, anywhere. I think he'll be retired. They do have some uh, a couple players who are going into unrestricted free agency after the end of next year. Um, Jan Ruda, Jordan Osterley are the well, those are the only two UFAs that are on defense. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, this team, the most of their big-name players are locked up. Of course, we know that, you know, Hosa. Now, Hosa retired. Not officially, though. But not officially. Like, yeah. he's not coming back. He said, I'm done with hockey, but yes. he's not going to file his retirement papers because... Right. Because because they can... The cap recapture penalty would screw Chicago over right. hard. Right. So, he continues to get paid and be on the IR, and he will be a part of the Blackhawks organization at $5.275 million. Uh, but he will, I mean, they can always uh, toss that into injury cap space. So yeah. they can always get that back. So with, with that in mind, and an 80, we're, I'm going off of an $80 million salary cap. Because that's right in the middle of what uh, was reported that it'll be. So if we go off of that and we take away Hosa's contract, they're looking at about $18 million in cap space. Somewhere which is yeah. the most cap space the Blackhawks have had in 10 years, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we know they have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Brandon Saad. I, I think Brandon Saad is better than what we saw this last year. I think the Blackhawks as a whole, really, there was a... It was it was almost like a complacency, and they, they just weren't enjoying themselves. I mean, you could see it with Brent Seabrook making a lot of really bad decisions. Uh, I, I just... I think this team just needs some big, massive switch that isn't an Artemi Panarin leaving. That was a, a boo-boo, yeah. I think. Uh, not that Saad's a bad player. Uh, and, and No, but he's better than 35 points a season. You're going to get right, more production. Right, exactly. And, and the hope would be that Anton Forsberg finds his game because, really, he was supposed to kind of be the extra piece from that, yeah. not just like, oh, we threw this goalie in. He was actually supposed to be the guy who could hopefully take over for Crawford when Crawford was on a downswing, which Crawford is 33 years old. So and he was still yeah, he pretty dang good. Great. He looked great. If he can stay healthy... Uh, they have a shot. Of course, Alex Dabrinka is unreal, and uh, so that's that's a huge, almost uh, kind of came out of no, not out of nowhere, but taken in the second round to play as well as he did. Yeah, is uh, is huge. Where did what do you think that this team does in the off season? Well, first let me let me ask you because two big rumors I've been hearing a ton about, and I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts on this before I start diving into what I think Chicago needs to do. Is one I've heard Jonathan Taves getting moved. At some point. Yeah, um, I've heard Montreal. Right. Yeah. And then I've also heard Corey Crawford going to the island as well. Like, that's mm-hmm. who Lou wants to target. Well, first off, he has a a no trade, no move. Right. Uh, he has to submit a 10-team tra- trade list. So, if, if I'm Corey Crawford, if... If Tavares stays, do you think that's a possibility? He would say, well, yeah, maybe I might stay now. No. Okay. No, Fair enough. I, I think that... Wait, does Tavares stay in the island? Yeah, if Tavares stays with oh, the Islanders, well, I think Corey that, Crawford be like, well, now I'll go. Sure. No. No. I don't. Okay. I really don't. I think he probably stays in Chicago. Uh, if this was a contract year, mm-hmm. it might be different. If somebody was willing to give him a big extension. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, you got to think that Chicago is going to be better than they were this year. Yeah. And... What do they do to shake it up? I mean, you're talking John Tavares. I think they're going to make a big pitch for John Tavares. It wouldn't surprise me. And like you said, if the cap hits $80 million with Hosa's money off the books, it's definitely going to be in the realm of possibilities. And you going to pay about, another guy? What? He, I mean, he'll get 12 if he goes to Yeah, but Chicago. can you pay him more than Kane? Yeah, you could. <sighs> you very well could. I don't know and, how that goes but, over. 
you know what? It, it, if you really think about it, like you, you look at John Tavares and you say, hey, we're going to give you a 10.5 just like we gave Kane. We're going to give you the seven years. We're going to put you on line with Patty Kane and you two will have the top minutes. We're going to put Taves right below you to play all the hard defensive minutes and he'll you know, take all the hard draws. We're going to give you the easy. We're off- going to play you in the offensive zone. We're going to give you the offensive, yeah, the <laughs> offensive minutes and whatever in the D zone Taves comes out, whatever. But now you give maybe, you know, Taves and Sod a little less, um, you know, a little bit more freedom to maybe, you know, give them the ice time they need to maybe produce a little bit more, but more or less, I, I, I don't, I honestly just don't see John Tavares going to Chicago as much as they have the, probably the cap space to do it. Um, now, a guy I could see going to Chicago who would be interesting because he could probably come in rather cheap um, and might not be a bad fit for a second line spot with, you know, Jonathan Taves would be a guy like Rick Nash. Oh, that's an interesting, interesting drop. Yeah. Rick, Rick Nash to me he just doesn't finish anymore. That's a problem. It definitely is. And that's why I think, and he's not, he's not that fast anymore either. No, but you look at a guy like Rick Nash and you say, Hey, the last few years, you, your centermen have been, uh, Derek Stefan and, you know, uh, Zabinajad at at best. Right. So you say, now you get a chance to play, you know, top six minutes with Jonathan tapes. Maybe now you can actually finish some of those opportunities, and so maybe you get him at like two years, three mil a season. I don't think that's well, such a bad fit. I don't know if Rick Nash is signing for three million. No, I, I don't. But I, I, I think you know maybe the teams that are going to give him more money are going to be you know bottom feeder teams. You know maybe, um, you know maybe a team like New York offers him same type of money and. You know, now you have to decide, well, who do you really think has a better shot at winning right now? Um, but I think, you know, for for Chicago, um, you know, I think their biggest focus, though, whether outside of free agency, is going to be looking at guys like DeBrinkett and Schmaltz, give them more ice time because they sure. were putting up 50 sure. points last year, um, and trying to figure out if if it's even possible to try to find a way to get rid of Brent Seabrook. Seabrook. See, to me, with how much, how much time is left on that contract, mm-hmm. You do everything you can to get some to milk some years out of that. Yeah, but, I mean we've seen it before. We we've seen guys decline and then bounce back for a year or two, and then and then go back into their decline. Sure, and I mean he definitely saw sheltered minutes this year. Yeah, much more slow. than the past. He did look slow. Yeah. Yes, he he looked uninterested. I'll say that's that's fair to say. Yeah, so I, I would. I'd say that there's something left in the tank for Seabrook. And do you think maybe if you're a team like Chicago and maybe because you know you're going to get some relief from Hosa's deal, say you look at a team like the Florida Panthers, for example. And I think you and I have actually talked about this trade scenario before, but you say we'll keep $3 million. You take, uh, what is it, another 3.8, and now he plays in your top four. Is that maybe an upgrade for Florida at Uh, 3.8? I, I don't think that Chicago Chicago has never held on to salary before. I don't. I, I'm trying to think of a time when Chicago's held on to salary. I mean, they have nobody right now who they're holding on to. It. No, I don't really think so. They just haven't really done that. They haven't really been in a. In a I, I see. I just don't think that for the next six years they're going to hold on to three million. I, I think he's more valuable to you trying to figure it out. Put him as okay. your bottom pairing defenseman. And it just is what it is. And if you're, I mean. Well, I, hey, I won't disagree with you because that's basically what Detroit's been having to do with Jonathan Erickson. Yeah. Just, yeah. It is what it is. It just, I mean, almost every team in the league has one guy who just, ah, man, if we could just get him off our books. You know, right. Who would change it. I, ultimately, I think that Chicago will look to make a pretty big move. So, okay, when you say big move, here's here's a name that I hear and I think could probably fill in quite nicely for them, um, especially when his biggest complaint was not getting to play minutes with Malkin. Now you say he can play minutes with Taves on the top line. Do you maybe make a pitch for, say, Phil Kessel? <laughs> Phil Kessel. That because they be will have the cap space to do it. From Boston to Toronto to Pittsburgh, win your cups and go to Chicago. Not a bad place to go, though. Uh, no, not a bad place to go at all. I mean, he would. They're. That's like having two Patrick Canes, kind of almost. Right? Like yeah. 
the ah, oh man what would you look look maybe move a nick schmaltz because oh, pittsburgh would really like to have a, a solidified third line center yeah but so but chicago likes their second line center right they do well yeah they or maybe a nisimov maybe well, move a guy sure, like him sure yes a nisimov if you could if you could you would probably have to include a nisimov in a trade to pittsburgh sure uh at four and a half million that would kind of keep the cap hit relatively the yeah. same now what did now pittsburgh gave up casperi kapanen a first round pick mm-hmm. i think another defenseman who uh harrington or something like that i think he left he or he never made the team but and uh and then toronto ate some of the salary yeah maybe you give up gustav forsling on defense yeah he would be a nice piece to take if you're pittsburgh yeah, I, my guess is that it would require a first-round pick, which they have two of. Okay. And they have a high first-round pick. Wow. They use that first-round pick to, and a prospect to get Phil Kessel. That could work. Okay. That could work. Okay. And then you send Artem Anisimov the other way. Yeah. Wow. And now Jonathan Taves sod on and Kessel on that first line. And you have... <laughs> Taves Kessel Sod. I do, I think you'd probably go. You'd you'd still keep Taves and Sod. Okay. And you'd have Debrinket then. Kane, yeah, yeah. And then you have Kessel and Kane with with Schmaltz on the second line. My goodness. <laughs> you'd have a lot of interesting options. Yes. Uh, you also would have the cap space to go sign a center like I don't know maybe somebody like Paul Stastny. Which uh, that would be you? You're yeah. gonna have to overpay for Paul. Yeah, Stanley. he might be. But even even like a guy like uh, Bozak. How about Bozak? Just yeah. stick him back with Kessel, like they used to play together. <laughs> they they were roommates in Toronto, they, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. They were yeah. back when the. So you know. He can sit on your third line, and then when needed, you can play him up on your yeah, second I mean, line. Kessel no plays on your third line five on five, and then you put him on the power play. Well, um, mm, I don't know. I think if you're going to Chicago, if you're Phil Kessel, well, actually, he doesn't really have much of a say in it. But I think yeah. he he'll he'll try to lobby to get on that top six pairing because that's what he hated about being in Pittsburgh apparently was not playing with Malkin so or with Crosby hmm. it, it just didn't seem like he played well with them well I don't know he sure put up enough points without him so I know <laughs> it's weird okay uh, well let's uh, we'll, we'll jump from Chicago because we, we spent a good 15-20 minutes on them uh, let's do our last team the New York Rangers uh, the New York Rangers did tell their fan base they sent out a letter that they are rebuilding, and so with uh, well, right now with the extra, they only have fifty million dollars committed to thirteen roster players next year. They're gonna have to re-sign quite a few players, uh, but they do have about thirty million dollars in cap space. Uh, not to mention the fact that in the off season you can go ten percent over, so technically they have almost forty million that they could play with in the off season here. They have Ryan Spooner, Kevin Hayes, Jimmy VC, and Nemesnikov, along with Rob O'Gara, John Gilmore, and Brady Shea. All RFAs all need to be re-signed. Uh, I think Spooner's going to get a solid deal. Nemesnikov is going to get paid. Brady Shea is going to get paid. Banking, yes. He's, I mean, he's, you're looking at least five or six a year. All I'm saying, that's an S, a K, a J, and that's a nope. <laughs> yes. Uh, along, and then UFAs, you Ryan Sproul and Paul Carey, but they pretty much uh, managed. Oh, and Andre Pavlich. So they do need a backup goalie if, unless they re-sign Pavlich. Yeah, I think. I don't I don't think a backup goalie, they have to worry too much. There's plenty of options for them. But Yeah, exactly. But it's not Pavlich. Let him go. Actually, I think what they're probably going to end up doing is uh, Georgiev. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, they're going to let him come up and play backup because he looked pretty dang good ah yeah uh they also have 3.6 million on the books from dan girardi's buyout so and can you hmm. believe it but they're still playing paying brad richards money. <laughs> remember that There's still a few of those buyouts left mm-hmm. remember him oh and they have brendan smith buried in the minors yeah i think he i think he comes back up next year and they try to make it work yeah I, time, but. you know what i was what i was kind of reading and and interacting with some uh Rangers fans base actually Brendan Smith was my choice for player to be traded. Wow. Uh, okay. And uh, to what they were saying was that him and uh, Elaine Vigneault didn't click. 
hmm. and Vigneault was just too easy on him. And so they thought, well, maybe with a new coach, they'll be a little bit harder on him to be in better shape. And he, cause he came to training camp out of shape and right. Right. Uh, so uh, I think Brendan Smith will be, he'll be better. I mean, he was so good in the playoffs two years ago. He really was so good. And he, his possession numbers when he was with Detroit too, were pretty dang good. Yeah. So yeah, yeah he was the advanced stats, yeah. uh, a lover right there. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So for you, oh, well, draft pick wise, they have three first round picks, their own Boston's and the, and the lightning. Yep. Uh, they also have the Rangers and or the Devils second round pick along with their own, the Bruins third round pick along with their own, and then a four, five, six, no seventh. Big disappointment not having a seventh round yeah, pick. Yeah, really. A lot of good players come out of that seventh Dad's round. Zook. You can't find a dead Zook. Like <laughs> not <a real>. anymore. <laughs> okay, so when you look at this team, what do they do? To me, this a rebuilding is, New York Rangers. Yeah, this is to me because you. If With you, Henrik Lundqvist as their starting goaltender. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you look at him, he's got two more years left on his contract after this upcoming season. So you're trying to rebuild on the fly so that you can give him a shot. And I think, to me, this is the one team I think that is a dark horse to land John Tavares. Because like we said, they've yeah. got a ton of cap space. Tons of cap yes, space. Yes, a ton of cap they could space. Pay him, they could pay him a max deal. Absolutely could. And this is another situation where with cap space and picks to burn and some decent young players, they could even go after Phil Kessel if they wanted to. Wow. Can you imagine that? Phil Kessel and Tavares coming to the uh, to the Rangers. Yeah, that would nah, I mean some anything like that would change the face of the team. Absolutely. They, they would they, they instantly have the be cap a playoff space contender. To completely change their team. Yes. They would be a playoff contender in a heartbeat because as long as Henry Lundquist is in there, he's not gonna let them falter out at the bottom of the league. And so I think one or two good players in here, um, you know, even I think a, even I think a guy like Joe Thornton playing second line, third line minutes for them could make a pretty good impact. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Thornton's leaving San Jose. I don't think he'll come back. I think well, I I won't disagree with you. I think he is going to end up in San Jose or if anywhere else, Toronto. Toronto, yeah. But go play with Marlowe again. Yeah. So I, but again, I think like we like we said, I think. Shea's going to get paid. Shattenkirk, I think he'll have a better season. Uh, same with Brendan Smith. I think there'll be a little improvement on both those guys. To me, I think maybe you want to try to figure out if you can find a buyer for Mark Stahl, try to get him out, or else he's going to be like, he's going to be your Jonathan Erickson who's sitting on that, you know, that bottom pairing. And yeah, you're going to pay him a little and, bit of money. He was, you know, at times, I don't know. He, yeah, he's. He definitely doesn't score any points. <laughs> no. He had one goal and seven assists in 72 games. Uh, yeah, he's... No, but, I mean, the Rangers have some good pieces here. They got D'Angelo, who's good, who could turn out to be a pretty good offensive weapon on D. Um, you know, they uh, Jimmy VC. I, I don't think he's going to be much more in a third-line winger uh, throughout his career, but whatever. But a guy like Ryan Spooner... Um, Nemestikov, I think those are good pieces they added. I think they will help improve this team next year. So, yeah, and don't forget Lias Anderson taken seventh overall yeah. last year uh, in the draft by the Rangers. So, I mean, he's uh, you know playing. He played in the he had, a, he had an interesting year. So he played in Frölunda, and then and he moved up through the league. Mm-hmm. You know they have multiple Frölundas in different right. different levels. <laughs> And then he eventually came over to uh, to Hartford. He played 25 games. He had 14 points in those 25 games. Then he played. He did play seven games with the Rangers at the end of the year. Uh, I mean, I, I think that it's it's probably most likely uh, you see Elias Anderson make the team and play up with the Rangers. Maybe sure. play. Maybe start in the minors. But I mean, so they they do have some. Some very talented player. I mean, you don't go seventh overall without having the expectation that a guy's going to be in your top six for sure. So they have some guys coming as well. Uh, this team, to me, is I mean they they will once again be a team where eh, maybe they're maybe they're competing for a playoff spot late in the season, and you're going to decide. All right, we got Matt Zuccarello is at a UFA at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So if the Rangers are in the playoffs, then he'll stay. If yeah. they're not, then they sell him too. Absolutely, and they'll get a first-round pick for a guy like that. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. for Matt Zuccarello for sure. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see 
what the Rangers are. I, I just feel like they lack an identity. And I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of their new coach. Uh, but I know that he's coming oh, from the college. the collegiate guy. Yeah. Yeah. So. I can't uh, I think of his name either. That's crazy. That, I mean, that'll, uh, that'll, that'll give the Rangers a new face. Uh, David Quinn. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So he, uh, yeah, is whenever you get a new coach, of course, you, you kind of change your identity. But really, this team, to me, even when they went to the finals, was like, what is this team? I, just, I don't know. They were, I, they were Elaine Vignon, this shot-blocking kind of team. But I think it's because the players on their team, even like a guy like Rick Nash, very yeah. underspoken. Just You don't really feel like you know Rick Nash all that well. Right. Uh, and I mean, other than Lungfist, but as a goaltender, you can have all the personality in the world, and it doesn't necessarily define the way that you play. Right. So I think that's what they're probably missing is a guy who defines what the New York Rangers are all about. Interesting. The good okay. thing is is that this team does have some solid speed up front. I mean, between Zabinijad and Zuccarello and uh, you know Ryan Spooner's pretty quick and. So and Nemestikov and he, he, these guys have size, but they can also move. So they're they're set up decent for the new NHL with with speed. So anything else to add about the Rangers before we kick it off? Oh nope. I mean i I want to see the key, the King is one of those guys where you want to see get a cup before he retires. But it's going to be very tough. They have to make some. Like I said, they got to bring in guys like Tavares and Kessel in a hurry. Sorry, he's got to leave in order to get a cup. Hey, it might happen. And uh, I don't think he's going to leave. All right. He very much. I think. His, he has a no move clause, and I don't know if there's any conditions on that clause. No. So, and I don't think they trade him. No, I, I think I it's a non-starter. Yeah, it's like Carey Price. I mean, at that point, for a franchise, you just you can't get rid of him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's our uh, that's our show. Hope you enjoyed our breakdown of those three teams. And uh, our next show, we will do the Edmonton Oilers, the New York Islanders, and uh, well. It would be the Calgary Flames. We could do the Islanders. We're twice. gonna do. <laughs> we're not gonna do the Islanders twice, <laughs> but the Calgary Flames will uh, will be our pick. So, Oilers, Islanders, Flames will be next. Our next show, Beautiful. and you can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. And thank you for listening. You can please subscribe to our show. Let us know what you think. Give us a five star review. We'd love that. And uh, we hope to talk to you guys soon.